Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I'm Liz Loza. I'm joined by Matt Harmon and a very sassy Scott Pianowski tonight. It is... Week 14, first week of most fantasy playoffs. Scott, why are you feeling so heated this evening? Hello, everyone. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to keep this. I'll try to keep this concise. I, there's something about I'm probably going to lose. In fact, I'm certainly going to lose in the league that meant the most to me. It's uh, the Mark Stopa League, which has the most money in it. I've won it twice before. I've made the playoffs all seven years, but uh, I'm going to lose in my first playoff game. And Fantasy is a bad beat for anybody who doesn't win their league. It's it's hard to appreciate the journey when your goal is to try to go deeper to win and you don't do that. And you, there's just such a long process of the scouting and the NFL draft and the MFLs and, and all the stuff that leads up to it. And tomorrow I have nobody to scout. I have no fab to do. I have no lamps to figure out. The whole process is over and I'll watch other people, you know, having the glory that I had hoped to have. There's just something specifically depressing about the elimination day, whether it's the actual day that you're eliminated or the day after when it kind of hits you that you devoted so much of your blood, sweat and tears to try to do something. And here's the thing that I'll never be able to reconcile. And maybe you guys can give me some peace of mind on this. What is it about competitive endeavors that losing stings a lot more than winning feels good? Because I, I feel like that's almost universal. You know, Bob Knight said it, a, a bunch of college and professional sports uh, coaches have said it. And I feel that's true in fantasy too. It's awesome to win. It's awesome when you make the right pick. It's awesome when you give good advice. or you say something on the show that people can use, but there's something about being wrong or losing, whether it's you get creamed or you lose by point, a fraction of a point or whatever, that just kind of the stinging feels worse than the winning feels good, at least to me. So I ask you guys, you know, when you hit that elimination day, how do you reconcile it and deal with it? Oh, man. I mean, we're really on the couch now at this point. Uh, shout out to our, our, our buddy Bloom. Sigmund Bloom. Yeah, we're really on the couch right now about this. But this here's I don't know. Just my initial advice is to, like, just don't care as much, which I feel is is bad. <laughs> the is, millennials is bad. Says don't care as much. <laughs> it's like bad to say take. on a fantasy well, that's, that's, podcast. That's like a social strategy. Right? I used to say to a friend of mine that he was um, he was majoring in functional aloofness because he just never seemed to be bothered by anything. And yeah. It led to like, you know. He got a he got a hot girlfriend and he became popular and I thought eh, functional aloofness. I just don't know if it's in me. I think I need it. I'd I'd like to have some functional aloofness, Matt Harmon. Yeah. You know uh, where do I buy that? Where do you can you make it in your kitchen or what do you do? No, I, I don't know how to make it. It just is like I think it's just an inherited gene. Can you have like, it? 
Yeah, it's you just you care it. You care about the things you really care about, and you just don't care about the things you don't care about as much. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to say it other than that. Like you care really hard about the things you like, and you just really don't give two. You know what's about? Uh, I have a different take else. than Matt. This is not shocking. Okay. Here's my take, <laughs> Scott. Um, it's because if you are a competitive person who continually sees yourself joining these competitive efforts, you are probably addicted to both the competition and the winning of the competition. So it's like getting the fix is great, but the loss is like going through withdrawal. So that I think that is why it's because like the winning just makes you add, just keeps you at a base level. It doesn't really like it's a boost. You know, it's like, oh, I, I got a vitamin B shot. Hooray. But it doesn't last. It's the losing. That's like, you mean I can never get a B, vitamin B shot ever again? That's why. Nobody else does vitamin B shots. Cool. I, I don't know. I just I just don't care. Vitamin B shots, by the way, very legal. In case anyone was Googling that, very widely available here in Los Angeles. What is it? Good what to is, know. What Good to know. Maybe I need to move to, to where more drugs are readily available. It's not a drug. Hold on. <laughs> let's be very clear. It's a vitamin. It's a vitamin. Uh, well, what I was going to do, what I was going to do after this podcast is I was going to listen to Pete Townsend and drink some whiskey I and try to make sense of it all. And, and, you know, I guess here's the other thing you have to do. I, I've, I've tried to do this is when you do have uh, a season that goes well, whether it's you made a lot of good picks or you just happen to have those tip passes go in your direction. You, you happen to be, you know, the guy, the guy who had the deflection fall on your lap, whatever. Just try to appreciate that. Silver and, lining you know, thinking, p and Yeah, the silver lining. Yes. Yeah, maybe I, maybe I need to see Silver Linings Playbook again. You know what? And just, you, you know, dog photos, lemonade stands, you know, balloons at a, at a kid's birthday party, stuff like that. Better you know, ruining just, the just, environment. I don't feel like there's anything else to say, but like, uh, you know, I, I I know it's tough when there's money on the line. And like you're saying, all these big money leagues, Scott, it's like, just enjoy the ride while you have it, you know? And also, now over, you get to over. just enjoy regular football. I mean, you saw my record in Stopa. I loved that this week was full of crazy twists and turns because I wasn't personally invested. I got to sit back and enjoy Brandon Bolden having a revenge game, who we'll talk about a little later. I enjoyed watching Derrick Henry, to quote Matt Harmon, break the rushing record and break football on Thursday night because it just got to be football, which is why I loved fantasy in the first place. So I will say to you, not that you're asking for my advice, silver lining thinking, you're already on the right track. No, I like that. I like there that. Let's go. make this clear. Uh, Rams, Bears tonight. Oh, you're fully in let's the Rams not talk about this now. game. We cannot talk about this game. What? No, but which, which camp are you in? You, which, uh, are you both feeding the Rams now? Well, you know, I've been a, a lifelong Bears fan since March 2018, so... I, I, <laughs> I want the Bears to win. <laughs> I want an answer from Loza. I want I want I a commitment here. I can't. Which I can't, side are you on? I can't do this, Scott. I can't do this right now live. I just, I, I, she doesn't I sa- know what she wants. I don't know what I want. What I said was, in this contest, I am choosing between the father of my children and the side piece who actually knows how to load the dishwasher. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there are choices that need to be made. You're saying Sean McVay is pretty hot loading the dishwasher? Is that what you're saying? I mean, if you are in a long-term relationship and understand how to load the dishwasher to your lady specifications, then you are already winning and could probably work a little less hard. Well, one for two. Well, enough therapy. Let's talk about tomorrow's headlines today. <laughs> So my headline uh, of week 14 is actually kind of a two-week headline. Um, really, what's been up with the Saints since Thanksgiving? I mean, obviously, they came back today 
if you paused at the end of the first half of today's game, you were real concerned that they were still in a post-Thanksgiving, I don't know, trip to fan coma, which I've heard, like, by the way, now is not even a thing anymore. Like, that's not real. That turkey doesn't really make you tired. But beyond that, the Saints, obviously, in this game, really under expectations, I think. You know, they were very clearly not, like, just dicing it up on this Bucks defense. They do win the game, of course, but Breeze has under 300 yards passing. Michael Thomas, he gets 98 yards receiving on 11 catches, no touchdowns, whatever. Mark Ingram had a nice long run, but I just I can't help but feeling a little bit disappointed by what we got out of the Saints today, considering the circumstances. And it led me to ask a couple of questions, and it, some of them are Panthers-related because I can't help myself there, speaking of needing therapy. The, the Panthers obviously get trounced by the Bucks last week. Four interceptions by Cam Newton. And I, and I would say that they, the Bucks defense does a respectable job here. Are we adjusting expectations here at the end of the season for this Bucks defense? Because even though the, the Saints ended up coming away with a pretty good offensive game, they weren't just a total doormat. So in well, you've next, got Gerald McCoy back. Gerald McCoy's back. And that was, to me, the biggest difference maker yeah. last week in that Panthers matchup. I'm just wondering if now we don't necessarily need to say like, oh yeah, you know, start every, all four receivers that are playing the Bucks, you know, this week, they all need to be in your lineup. Are we well, just adjusting I've always, expectations? I thought it was a hard decision. I, I know this is so case by case, but what is the snapshot that tells us the most realistic version of a team or strength of a defense or strength of a matchup? Is it the full season? Is it five weeks? Is it eight weeks? Is it since they switched coordinators? Is this since they switched middle linebackers? I mean, it's such the NFL is such a floating butterfly, and it's hard to say that. A lot of people would mandate, no, you got to go by the whole season. Everything counts. And the other people say, well, wait a minute. If personnel is different, if they've made a significant change, then you can point to that and then maybe cut up a segment that fits your argument. And then other people may say, well, that's random endpoints, and you're, you're just cherry picking because it makes your narrative. I don't know necessarily a good answer for that. I do think this, though. I do think the Saints' defense is a lot better than it was early in the season. I think Tampa Bay's defense, which was historically bad, has downshifted to actually just kind of a little crummy, but not that bad. I saw one of the few things I did get right this week is I saw this 56-point total and said, that's crazy. I'm going under that. Yeah. And this game was a stone under the whole way. So I guess I'm in the camp of I want to try to find a – a series of games that fits the personality of a team, whether it's, you know, personnel changes, coordinator changes, what a scheme changes. I'm not just going to blindly say, well, a team is whatever it's been from week one to week, you know, 14. I, I think you have to be more specific and more particular, even if it isn't a, a, um, a hard coded rule. Yeah. And the Bucks get Baltimore next week. They get Dallas the week after that. Obviously, there are some interesting players on both those teams. I just wonder if we do need to adjust expectations for this defense. And I think this, like you said, Scott, these are the hard questions we got to ask. Because if you're coming away with your Saints, like Alvin Kamara gave you five catches today. You got a nice little floor game out of him, but it was not a ceiling performance. Same with Michael Thomas. And and Drew Brees was, you know, a middling quarterback in fantasy this week. His lone pass up by that touchdown run from, yeah. I mean, you know, 201 yards from Drew Brees. Yeah. I had him number. I, I had him number one on my list, so I would have said you started him over anybody, right? Uh, which wrong? Ant. So yeah, that's my question. I don't know. Though. I'm just. I'm interested. Like you said, little pockets of the season. These things change very quickly, and maybe we're seeing a small bit of progression here by the Bucks defense. We're talking about things that we were wrong about. I'll admit that my headline is about Mari Cooper, who I was very wrong about when he switched teams uh, in late October, early November. I said no way. 
there's no way he's going to be efficient switching teams this late in the season, new playbook, especially on an offense that's so run heavy and devoid of deep talent. I I just don't buy it. He has definitely proved me wrong. Heading into week 14, he had posted top 25 fantasy numbers in four of his last five games. And in week 13, the thing that surprised me was how efficient he was, right? We're not used to Amari Cooper catching all the balls, but he converted all eight of the balls thrown his way. I thought this week, matchup, obviously, against the depleted Eagle secondary. There'd be plenty to go around. Michael Gallup would get involved. He had broken loose the week before. I thought he could build on that. Nope. Uh, I, in fact, had projected Amari Cooper for... um, Seven receptions and 88 yards. Pretty solid projection. In fact, he caught 10 of 13 balls for 217 yards and three touchdowns. My goodness, we have to start getting real about Amari Cooper and this Dallas team that has been coming on strong over the past few weeks, but we've sort of been waiting for them to have a hiccup and not really crown them. They've got uh, Indianapolis in week 15 and then in week 16, perhaps this Tampa Bay defense that may or may not be stiffening down the stretch. Cooper just had the best PPR game of the season. So cheer. And I will share all of your um, mea culpa. I thought Cooper, yeah, I don't like receivers changing teams middle of the season. I, do, I don't like Jason Garrett. I don't really trust Scott Linehan. I'm not really sure that I'm in on Dak Prescott. I thought this was such an obvious pothole and Cooper would maybe be a playable wide receiver three. Maybe if it really, really clicked wide receiver two, but I thought I'd be fielding start set questions about him all season. I wouldn't want to go near him in DFS, all this stuff. And I've been completely wrong about it. Have to reevaluate it. Have to reevaluate Garrett. Have to reevaluate Dak. Have to reevaluate Cooper. Maybe even have to reevaluate how bad the situation was in Oakland. What does this tell us about Gruden or, or you know, Derek Carr and all that stuff? But um, if I gave if you asked me an Amari Cooper question over the last five or six weeks, I'm sure I got it wrong. You can throw dartboard, you know, darts at me because um, I kick this one about as bad as you can kick it. So in week 15 at Indianapolis, then, Scott, I mean, we're we're both admitting that we need to adjust on our projections or rankings of him. I, I don't think I can put him in wide receiver one contention. Can you? I'll probably have him in that 10 to 15 pocket. And to be fair, I probably ha- I'm sure I had him in the top 20. But yeah. here's the thing. Why didn't why didn't because Philadelphia's get beer vendors and mm-hmm. you know, volunteer firemen in the secondary? How come I didn't want a piece of that? I actually thought you made a great call on Gallup, and I wanted to believe that story. I, I think you just—I I don't know. Maybe I was just being stubborn with with Cooper and wanted to double down until I was right. And you know, I, now I'm down an amount. I can't double down anymore. I mean, I'd he was my wide limit. receiver 14 heading into this week. I don't think I'm going to be able to put him inside of my top 12. I, well, I here's mean, what I want to know because because Matt knows the wide receiver game as well as anybody with his reception perception stuff. Matt, when Cooper was traded, what was your kind of thought on that? Was it like, okay, Oakland screwed him up or he needs to change the scenery or maybe he's not that good? What was your stance on Cooper, say, four or five weeks ago? I think that we walked into 2017 or walked into 2018 being able to have all the answers to the Amari Cooper questions on the table, like because he was coming off such an admittedly down year. I, I mean, there, I don't know how you could watch less like these these guys that annoy me are the people out there that have these like definitive takes on Amari Cooper. Like, no, he's definitely like still an elite player or no, he's definitely trash. Like, I don't know how you could feel after coming coming into the season. I don't know how you could possibly feel that way. And like like people who are now. I, I don't know that I was so completely off of it as as you guys were, 
but I certainly was not in on it. Like I was not, he's going to just totally turn around. Like even the, the people who thought that now they're all back there crowing about like, well, obviously he's an elite player. Of course it worked out. I think that's crazy. So I think coming into, into this situation, what I do think is great about Amari Cooper is they are just feeding him targets. They're feeding him volume. I think they show a lot more trust and just the the confidence that he's going to get open on the majority of routes, which is the strength of his game. You know, he's not a 50-50 ball receiver. He is a guy who creates wider windows for quarterbacks. I think that's been a really good fit with Dak Prescott. If you look at some of the next-gen stats data, he's been one of the quarterbacks in his first two seasons to throw into tight windows more than anybody else. So I think just the, the, the stylistic fit between the quarterback and the receiver, I think that is very important and often just too far overlooked between receivers and quarterbacks like that relationship and they complement each other. I think that means a lot. And I, I think that's the biggest difference maker here in this situation is they've shown more confidence in his abilities. Whereas I don't think that really ever happened with Derek Carr in Oakland, who does not necessarily want to, he's more of a timing based guy and you got to be in the right place. They just have confidence in Cooper that, that he's going to do the job right. I, I, it's a complicated situation. There's no real easy there are also answer injuries there. in uh, Oakland between the quarterback and Amari Cooper often last on. year. Yeah. yeah and, la- and in the year before as well. So that might've affected you. Did, well. You can't, you can't watch. I still contend that you can't, watch 2017 you can't watch Cooper and say like that he was playing well all season I think you're insane if you mm-hmm. if you make that argument um, well, the huge game against Kansas City on the Thursday night I think part of my mistake with Cooper may be that I may have gotten tied into too much binary thinking with Linehan and with Garrett okay you know Sean McVay genius Jeff Fisher idiot okay so what what is Jason Garrett is he a genius is he an idiot there's a lot of gray in the world there's a lot of undistributed stuff out there where we don't know if somebody, how good they, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not in the film room. I don't make the game plan with them. And maybe but, there's but Scott, who could, who could blame you for any of those things that you just said, like going before, even before the situation, who could blame you for not trusting freaking Jason Garrett and Scott mm-hmm. Linehan who were just clearly bungling the offense. And you know, the thing, the thing about this is like, Whatever was wrong with Amari Cooper might have totally been in his head. Maybe he and Derek Carr just hated each other. Maybe he just hated being right. in Oakland. I mean, those things and are nobody all... would have hated him for it. You know, it's like to me, it's like, OK, maybe this is a broken TV set. I just didn't have any faith that Scott Linehan and and Jason Garrett could fix a broken TV set. To- I guess totally they, fair. I guess they can. Totally I'm going to send all my broken electronics to Dallas. <laughs> Speaking of electronics, I often lose my charger. And the Chargers may or may not have lost another backup running back, Austin Eckler. There's a lot to talk about in Los Angeles's backfield here. After we all thought and saw Justin Jackson run away with the gig, with the lead back gig against Pittsburgh. In fact, the team moved back towards Eckler. He did all of the damage, though he was injured, potentially concussed towards the end of the game. So we don't know what his status is. For week 15, also Melvin Gordon may or may not be back. I don't really think Melvin Gordon's going to be back, but we have to talk about this Eckler-Jackson flip-flop. I have a feeling that the team believes Jackson to be a more explosive player. Now, this is a guy who crushed the three-cone drill. He weaves through traffic. He certainly gave the team a boost when they needed it in week 13. They didn't need that boost in week 14. So Eckler continued to run ahead of him. Uh, Matt, we talked about this on hashtag halftime with Harmon. What's your personal take? Yeah, this this was a situation that I really read wrong because I figured that 
Jackson did look like the better between the tackles traditional runner last week, um, even though he, like Eckler, is a smaller player. I figured that if the Chargers were going to be in control of this game, which they really did lead throughout, even though yes. they did not cover a massive spread. Box score is misleading in this one sure. if you watch the game. Yeah, I think that's very fair. They were definitely in control of it the, the entire first half, but it was, in fact, Austin Eckler out there. And I figured that Jackson was worth the start. In fact, I did start him on a playoff team, Scott Fishbowl. Uh, that didn't do me too well. Uh, and yeah, I, I just read the situation wrong. And I, I think that the team really does like Austin Eckler. They said Jackson needed more touches. Like this was kind of a tough situation to, to read coming into this game. And I don't really come away beating myself up for that prediction, even though obviously Eckler was a guy that I still told people like, look, if you get a point for any receptions like you should definitely start him but he made more of his bones in the in the rushing game and I think it was probably a situation that if Eckler came in and didn't run well to start they might have gone to Justin Jackson but the fact of the matter is this is a terrible That's defense what, yes so I so, think we're both on the same man, page I, I, I disagree with you guys I think Eckler's electric um, I know yards per carry and yards per catch are somewhat misleading but I mean 5.2 a carry 10.2 a catch for the season I believe it was Mike Lynn who said he was the strongest pound-for-pound player on the team. The body types aren't that much different. Jackson's five pounds heavier. He's a little bit taller. But Eckler, it's just a matter of you can't can't give him 20 to 25 touches a week. But there's a lot of backs in this league you can say that about. I mean, how many true bell cows do we have? I think they love Eckler. I think it's – and it's interesting. The Roto World note for what it's worth, and and they're very detailed over there, doesn't even mention him leaving the game. I – I think Eckler is a great plug and play. If I had him on any team or if I was alive next week, he would be somewhere in the 11 to 15 range at running back. And I don't think Jackson's a bad play if you're in a corner. I would play him reactively. I think Eckler is the proactive play here. Hmm. I think it's a matchup-based play, but we will we will see. Let's talk about Lamar Jackson. Our producer, Brett, has written a gorgeous headline, very witty, that says, Live by Lamar, die by RG3, who I don't know if you guys know, he goes by Robert now. Because he's done with all got himself of it. a new haircut too. Yes, he's very serious, Matt. What are you thinking about the Baltimore Ravens? Uh, the, the unfortunate situation? part about this is like, didn't Lamar get hurt on a passing play where he yeah. was got, where he's getting sacked? So it's like Strip, it was, he was yeah, it wasn't yeah. quite like a you know he's out there running around or whatever. Even though that will certainly be the narrative out of this because of how often he does run, it's like wow, you see, can't run with a rushing quarterback, but got got himself hurt on a pass play. Uh, it, yeah, I I don't know that. The people were worried coming into this game that Joe Flacco was going to be back out there because street clothes, though. Yeah. Andy Reid has said that he was worried about seeing two quarterbacks. Well, he did, in fact, see two quarterbacks, but it wasn't Joe Flacco who was making an act for this him. game. He was like, go ahead, play, play Joe Flacco. Yeah, right. I, I think watching Lamar Jackson, like you, you got to admit that there are moments like his touchdown to John Brown was a, a great throw, but he also has some throws where it's like, holy hell, man, what are you doing? And is that doing? so crazy for a rookie quarterback? No, I mean, people are saw, definitely saw his first start two weeks ago. People like, are definitely trying to just fill their own narrative here. That's for sure. Like, you know, and he spent time doing all this dumb wildcat crap throughout yeah. the year. So I would I hope that we see Jackson get a full offseason and actually get to be a quarterback. But I hope that he's healthy again because he's a guy that I, I like watching. He's a guy that I like playing in fantasy because he gives you a pretty pretty decent floor with the rushing and everything. Um, this game did not turn into like an explosive shootout at all. Both defenses played pretty well, mm-hmm. all, all things considered. I feel like Baltimore should have won this game. Why Why don't we talk about Josh Allen? I, I'd rather have Josh Allen for the rest of this season. Oh, sure. And I think going forward, if you want an athletic quarterback who can run, I, I think Allen is maybe just a little sturdier and could take – look, I don't know how – repeatable, sustainable it is to have your quarterback take as many shots as these guys are going to take if they're going to run as part of the package. But 
I feel like Allen is maybe, you know, with, with the bigger frame is more like a Cam Newton type that he could handle it where I'm just worried that Jackson is more likely to get that kill shot and then your season is ruined. Josh Allen, a record breaker. Uh, he broke Michael Vick's three-game r- record for rushing yards by a quarterback. So, I mean, I'm totally with you, Scott. I mean, the guy is a uh, a great running quarterback, and that's going to help you a lot in fantasy. And I, I definitely agree with you that uh, he's, he's playable. It's also fantasy. worth noting that, Josh Allen ran for 101 yards. He rushed for 101 yards, but also LaShawn McCoy exited. Oh, God. This yeah, you don't week, have to remind me. So. I, had to start it, I had to start him in a fantasy league. <laughs> yeah, oh. I liked McCoy this week. Two carries, one yard. I also, man, I like to say, Jones, with them getting rid of a couple of guys off the roster, you good riddance, Kelvin Benjamin. I thought that they'd have a much more narrow usage tree. And now Jones did get nine targets. A lot of those were like throwaways that he had no chance to catch. But I thought Jones maybe – I wanted to imagine he had a much higher floor than he really did when he, I guess, belonged in the boomer bus file. Look, he's been good in two of the last four games. He did go off in the previous Jets game. But I think maybe I might have had some bad process with Zay Jones. I had Zay Jones as well, so don't blame yourself too much. I think we were thinking very similar thoughts, Scott. Maybe you were incepting me a little bit. I also want to add Joss Allen does have Detroit in week 15, so that's obviously a good ground matchup for him as well. You're going to like that a lot. Let's talk to some of our social followers uh, who tweeted at us some, some profound thoughts, some rather, I don't know, they got a little tilted this week, week 14. Don't at me, bro. At Pint No Tacos wrote <laughs> James White. I, I got to read some of the, I sorry, but I got to read some of these Twitter handles for a YouTube video that I do. And like, my God, what are some people doing with these social media handles? It's like the weirdest things ever. At Pint No Tacos? Yeah. Like, I don't know. What does that even mean? I don't know. Maybe he's just he doesn't like, eat. He doesn't eat tacos in Pittsburgh. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a burner account. Anyway, James <laughs> Law, James White lost it all for him, which is not particularly shocking to me, considering that his usage disappeared when Gronk came back and Edelman was healthy again and Rex Burkhead is on the field and James Devlin, pride of College Hill, is vulturing touchdowns. It's all hot. Yeah. Or not. I, I mean, it's, it sucks if you had to play James White because yeah. he hasn't been involved in weeks, like weeks. Three weeks. That's the it. Patriots backfield, we talked a little bit about this earlier, Liz. Like, I don't even know how you figure that thing out at this point. Um, there's just too many bodies there right now. We like the Patriots the, backfield the, when it the gets. The funny thing is, though, they still really trust White, and I could see him catching nine passes next oh, week. Oh, sure. I mean, that's it a, just like, for whatever reason, it didn't go his way this. Uh, and, and also, you know what? It's funny. If the Devlin thing is going to work, if he's going to be able to punch in short yardage, why not let him absorb the punishment and not have Sony Michelle take it? This is my take. Yeah, Yeah. that's your take. That's my take. Yes. Is that when you look at Sony Michelle and you look at the knee issues he's had since college and you consider that you traded up to get this back, you know, you've done a scope in the beginning of the season and looked inside. Maybe it's a little bit worse than the team anticipated. Maybe it's not. Regardless, if you want to preserve him, give the ball to the big old fullback. He's had some uh, falafel on Thayer Street for sure and and let him absorb those hard hits. Thayer Street, man. I, I spent a lot of checks. I, I did not go to Brown University like our my esteemed colleague, but I went to the second best college in Providence and uh, spent a lot of money. I even stole a bar stool once from, from Thayer Street, from, from Spats. Do you remember Spats? Was Spats there when you were? I don't under- think Spats was there anymore. We had yeah. East Side Pockets. That was the like place to go for falafel. We decided we, we really liked the bar stool, so we were going to take one. I mean, that what? That's why I can never get down on the, the dumb things that college athletes do sometimes or kids because I stole a bar stool. How dumb <laughs> is that? 
Yeah, I mean, who hasn't done some stupid stuff like that? Hey, um, speaking of stupid stuff, Juju Smith-Schuster scored 29 fantasy points. Matt, how does that make you feel? Fine by me. I mean, I don't have him on any team. So he's made sucks. his peace with Juju. Come yeah. on. Yeah, we've 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 moved on. At um, Mike I will Pulse say though, Pitch. one of the funny other one of the, one of the other funny responses though, somebody said that uh, OBJ sat out for them. And then they faced Juju Smith-Schuster and Amari Cooper, and it's like, man, yeah, oh that's, yeah, that's tough. It's funny. You could well, is it you, worse to get to get creamed, or is it worse to lose by like a half point, or lose on a stack correction, oh, or lose on a kneel down? What's worse? Close, close for sure, because you can always think of ways. Like yes. I went, I went into a, I, I went into this week like thinking, oh, should I play Tyler Lockett? Should I play Chris Godwin? And I, the one time I made the choice between the two. I, it's like a Sophie's choice for yeah, you there. Yeah, right. It's both of my children. And like with Chris Godwin, I just decided to play him and he got two freaking points. So now I know that if like Tyler Lockett goes off tomorrow night and it's a close game, I'm going to just be there very annoyed with myself. I think it's way, 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 way worse. Yeah, to, if you get to, spanked, to, it's just not your week. I, yeah. You you know, get, I played, I played Zay Jones over Corey Davis and I think Zay Jones out had like 3.6 or something and Corey Davis had 3.2. So I know I made the right call. If my game came down to that four tenths of a point, I would have earned it for my team. Well, sometimes, like Scott saying that. sometimes you just need to like sit back, relax, like our Twitter follower at Amazing420 might possibly do on the regular. I'm just <laughs> 420. I think I know. I know what that. I'm just Twitter an, handle that's means. just an infer, inference on my part. I don't really know what amazing 420 does on the regular, but maybe he's a chill dude. Although Kittle is beating him in two different leagues, and Kittle here is my favorite he's George need to Kittle chill out. stat. Ready? George Kittle is averaging more yards after the catch than any other ball catcher in the league, than any wide receiver. That is an incredible stat. He's money. He's better than Golden Tate after the catch. Let that one sink in. You're better than Golden Tate after the catch. George Kittle, <laughs> I mean, look, he's fast like a receiver. He's big like a tight end. He was a spark freak. And the thing that really blows me away, I mean, every time I look up, he's running away from people. Um, some people are comparing him to the early parts of Vernon Davis's career. Remember, he was a first-round pick. Kittle's doing it with these nobody quarterbacks. You know, they have a guy who was on the practice squad a few weeks ago. It's one thing if Garoppolo was elevating Kittle or they were making beautiful music together, but he's doing it with this absolute banana convention. I I mean, yeah, we do like Kyle <laughs> Shanahan, but. Can we man, strike I, that out? I want a banana player. convention. Unbelievable player, man. I just love, I just hope Kittle can stay healthy. And and I guess really, you know, the joke used to be that the only person that could stop Michael Jordan was Dean Smith back when he played at North Carolina because, you know, Michael didn't average 20 points at UNC. At UNC. I guess it was only the University of Iowa that could stop George Kittle because he had very pedestrian stats as a collegian. So uh, they found a way to keep him under wraps, but nobody in the NFL can. My favorite George Kittle stat today is that he goes for 210 in the first half and then gets nothing, nothing. in the second half. Yeah. And like, I'm never going to be one of those people that's coming in here and bitching about, they like, oh, corners. I did nothing in the they second totally half. They totally went four corners in the second half. They yeah. Just I mean, but it's just, it's just funny because, like, yeah, you got 210 uh, yards and a touchdown out of your tight end. You can't complain, but it is, I'm sure it did feel pretty funny. People like just sitting back, lighting the cigarette, like, oh, man. It's a good rest of the day for me. George Kittle's about to get 300 yards, and he does nothing in the second half. I just think it's kind of funny. Speaking of at 420, one year when Josh Gordon came back from suspension, we had to project how many yards he would have for the rest of the year. And I don't know. I just happened to say 420. It just felt like the right number. 
cheeky, cheeky guy. You are so sassy. Also, since you're feeling down, I just want to give you a little, uh, some good tidings. Your boy Dante Pettis, again, scored another touchdown, second in team targets, converted yeah, three of seven. One year touchdown, but thank you. But come it's, on, it's, it's nice you, you got It's nice look. you remember the one thing I got right amidst the 15 things I may have gotten wrong. Sometimes, remember, I want you to think about it. Silver lining thinking. This is your mantra. Our mantra is usually a pickups lightning round at this point in the show. But instead of that, we're going to run through a bunch of players. A bunch um, of jokers. They, this following group combined for 14 touchdowns today and are all 0% owned in Yahoo. So we will each mention whether or not we're interested in acquiring one of these characters. So I guess you could say this is our hero or zero segment. Oh, wow. I wish we had talked about that before we started the show. But hey, <laughs> new segment title. Here we go. Brandon Bolden, two scores, yay or nay? Nay, but don't you ever come at me with that telling me that revenge games aren't real. That was a total revenge game. Greatest of all time. Yeah, it's going to be a nay. At least they finally found something for Kenyon Drake to do, be the third guy in the hook and ladder and score a game-winning <laughs> touchdown against the Patriots. Well played, Miami. Worth the 14-week wait. Nay. Josh Johnson, Washington quarterback, pass, uh, pass for a t- touchdown, rush for a touchdown, and two two-point conversions. He's the Yay. QB three of the week. He and he didn't even start. How exciting! I can't. I can't. Yeah, well, How exciting! I'll say yay for Superflex. Yay yeah. for multiple quarterback. Yay for DFS. And it's just so nice to see Jamison Crowder make a play because I thought he had retired three years ago, and I guess he has. For real? So, I kind of. I'm looking. About I'm looking him. for MFL teams I drafted in June. Jamison Crowder <laughs> actually did something for me. So for that alone, Josh Johnson is my hero. I also want to mention in this one, Vernon Davis, because Jordan Reed left the game with an injury. Finally. And uh, Vernon Davis, if this Josh Johnson character is going to be the quarterback, young quarterbacks, Horn quarterbacks, off, obviously often focus on their tight ends. And oh, he's not I even young. Like he's old. He's been around. He, he just hasn't done anything he's since 2014. He's taken a ton of reps. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I think Vernon I Davis could be I time to get my Mark Sanchez person. Redskins jersey. Is it too late? Yeah, I think you're out of time, dude. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <laughs> Bryce Butler in Miami. No. No, but you know what? I always thought Dallas should have played him more, and I never understood why they didn't. I know I part of it was him, you know, him playing the Des role and all that stuff. But I, I feel like he was underutilized with the Cowboys. Didn't he go to Arizona and then they cut him because he got yep. hurt in uh, over the summer? Or in August? Yes. Yeah. Right. I liked him a lot as a potential sleeper in Arizona. But hey, he's in Miami, and I'm still not dealing with. I him. actually didn't even know he's in Miami until this moment right now. Russell Shepard in New York. No, it's nay because you can't have two receivers with the same last name. Okay, it could work with a receiver <laughs> and a tight end. Demarius Thomas knows this. He did it in Denver. He did it in Houston. You can't have two wide receivers with the same uncommon last name. It doesn't work. I think Shepard's production this week had more to do with Washington than with yeah. New York. Because, oh, b- spoiler alert, we can just talk about it now. Benny Fowler is also on this list. He's a Giants receiver. And, oh, by the way, I'm, it's going to be a it's going to be a no for me, dog, on both <laughs> of these guys. But I'm with you, Liz. Like, Washington is just going to be a doormat the rest of the year. I mean, this team is in total hell. Alex Smith like has an infection. I know, it's, that's which is so creepy. Awful. His hospital bed is next to Colt McCoy. Yeah, Colt McCoy's in the in the hospital with yeah, the same freaking injury. Washington, I mean, is totally Gruden's screwed. In trouble? Is still Do you think totally Gruden screwed. Comes back, or you just think, well, too many guys get hurt. It's not his fault. Yeah, but they use. I mean, they had, they had the injury excuse last year too, and I, mm. I mean, it's valid because obviously they're on like their fifth string quarterback, and the, you know they won't sign Colin Kaepernick, whatever, or they won't even talk to him because of system fit. When I mean, <laughs> I don't have. I'm not like the strongest 
I'm not out. I don't. You're not a about, collusion coffer. Well, no. I mean, I don't. I'm just not out there tweeting about Kaepernick because I like some. I like to have sanity. Um, but like, I just can't stand these coaches giving us total BS arguments. Like, don't be disingenuous with me. And that, and I think people are disingenuous on both sides of the Kaepernick debate. But that's a topic topic for another podcast. But like. I don't like Jay Gruden coming out and being like, he can't run our system when, you know, who's backed up Colin Kaepernick before Colt McCoy, you know, who's backed up Colin Kaepernick before Josh Johnson, you know, who backed up Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick. Like it's all like it, they, they must be trolling us with this, right? Like they must be trolling us to sign Colt McCoy and Josh Johnson and then still feed us disingenuous information about their quarterback position. I'm sorry. I've talked about this too much, but it's just, a no. I don't like, I don't like to be lied to it to my face. I don't blame you, and I appreciated that rant, Trenton Cannon. Uh, no. Isaiah Crowell left this week's uh, Yeah, which means game. get McGuire if you yeah. can, or just don't watch the Listen, Jets. there was and a moment way, that Trenton Cannon, before McGuire came back, um, did look promising, but I just don't think there's going to be enough opportunity, enough game script opportunities for Trenton also, Cannon to have any sort also, of value. Also, the next time you try to talk yourself into, I know Cannon's obviously a running back, but the next time you try to talk yourself into any pass catcher on this team, don't. Yeah. It's not going to work out. Anuma's not going to work out. Mm-hmm. Herndon's not going to work out. Robbie Anderson was good this week. He won't work out next week. The Jets are only here to cause you pain. We mentioned that LaShawn McCoy left with an injury. Isaiah McKenzie, running back in Buffalo, managed to score... We're buying, we're selling, we're heroing, we're zeroing. I'm zeroing. No, I'm zero. Josh Allen. If, if Josh Allen couldn't make Zay Jones work today, then how is Isaiah McKenzie going to work? Zach Pascal, the pride of Old Dominion in oh, Indianapolis. Yeah. Nah, I'm an algebra guy, not a calculus guy. No, it's a no for me. Even though, yeah, shout out to Zach Pascal, ODU. Uh, my sister's an ODU alum. So. Oh, there. Oh, I nice. didn't even know. Look at I, I was. Nice. I was well, James Devlin, where'd he go to school, Liz? He went to Brown University. He's a brown yes, bear. He <laughs> So we talked about our theory with James Devlin. I don't know. I mean, here's a, here's an interesting question. I'm going to pose it to you um, because you live in the Detroit area. If if our theory, Scott, about James Devlin is correct, that he is the goal line option here for the Patriots, if you were to stash someone and you were in a very deep league and you had to make a play, would you start Devlin potentially over someone like LeGarrette Blunt? Assuming carry on Johnson. I'll tell you what, I might play him over Theo, Theo Riddick, who hasn't scored a touchdown in a calendar year. And has, I believe, two games in his career over 100 yards from scrimmage. People are always talking themselves into Theo Riddick. At least with Devlin, you can just roll the dice and say, you know what? He might score two touchdowns. That's 12 points, mm. even if the yardage adds up to nothing. If I, if I were desperate, I'd rather play him than Theo Riddick. That's what I, I'm going to leave it with that. So you're you're non-committal on Blunt, but you will do you may do. You know what? I'd play over Blunt too, unless yeah. it was a game the Lions were Get favored. There. If the Lions were favored, I feel like Blunt has enough of a touch floor that you could go there. I just want Theoretic to go away. Dude, and get- Matt Patricia to go away. Maybe even the Lions. Yeah. Watching Matt Stafford makes me sad. Watching Kenny Galladay makes me sad. Mm-hmm. You know, even today they won the game and it was depressing. Dude, get LeGarrette Blunt out of my life too. I mean, I'm totally right? with you Devlin, on that. Yes. Like, yeah. I mean, it's not even like I'm dying to start, but Zach Zenner's on this list later too. And, you know, I, I mean, well, I let's people, talk about him. Zach Zenner. Yeah, nothing but good things to say about him. I, mean, I guy, picked him up in a fishbowl. He's a human being. He's a doctor, came back to football. I think that I think he probably deserves more of a chance to play. If you had to gamble on any of these backs on that team, I think Zenner's the guy I'd go with. I just was wondering this morning, like, why were I was getting so many Garrett Blunt questions? I'm like, dude, 
why do you all you want to play LeGarrette Blunt? And then it dawned on me like, oh, yeah, right. They're playing Arizona. Arizona. People are definitely like, Arizona allows a lot of yards to the running back position. They will play LeGarrette Blunt. Like, I was like, get that well, out of here. There's, you would have imagined a goal line look There's never a reason on. to play LeGarrette Blunt. I don't even care if it works. I'm like, I loved LeGarrette Blunt when he was on the Patriots, but he's on the Lions. And like, he either he has one good game against the Bears on Thanksgiving. I don't give a damn about that. Like, I'm never starting a player like LeGarrette Blunt who has no floor. They have no floor. All right, so we're James Devlin over LeGarrette Blunt. I want to see it in everyone's ranks. <laughs> That's it. Uh, Max Williams no. with two X's. No, no, because there are a million. Ozzie Newsomman loves his tight ends, man. Derek they collect Harry. tight ends. Some people collect bottle caps or comic books. They collect tight ends. Which is weird because he was a tight end, so it's like collecting yourself. It's a little bit. There you go. It's like back, a vanity back thing, on the couch. Right? Yeah. Uh, Derek Carrier, tight no. end in Oakland. No. Lee Smith, tight end in Oakland. No. no. Um, but congratulations on making the Hall of Fame, Lee Smith. If you need a closer, if you need a ninth inning pitcher, you can go to Lee Smith. And by the way, Jared Cook, hats off. What a monster year he's having. Indeed. I know he didn't get the touchdown, but he's a bad, bad man. So none of these guys, save James Devlin or Josh Johnson in a super flex league, are of much interest to any of us. I, I Correct? No. Correct. All right. Well, I wish I could end the show on a more intriguing note, but uh, we're going to be definitive with this one and come back on Thursday. It'll be myself and Dalton Del Don. Please spread the word on social. You can follow us and tweet your questions at Yahoo Fantasy. Subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I am at Liz Loza underscore FF. That's Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And that is Scott underscore Pianowski. We out. Win big. It's over. Show's over.